Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein, psychologist and filmmaker and uh, other things. And I'm with Debbie Stoltz. <laughs> Higgins. Stores, stores. <laughs> stores. I know. I changed it too. You know, I'm just, no, no, I'm, just I'm just damaged. I don't know if you I knew that. About that. I don't I also have a we have another person here online tonight, right here. Oh so she's on. Oh, right I too. wish I had my cat and I yeah, hadn't well, take, taken him and had to put him down on March 7th, right as the beginning of the pandemic. But anyway, um, I don't know if you know that I had terrible dyslexia growing up. I couldn't spell at all. I managed to get a doctorate. You see, people can do things. But one of the things that I have trouble with is still spelling. Okay. So I'll anyway. So I'll give you a pass. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, Debbie is a producer, a director. She's a film critic. And together we have a variety of talents and history and uh, memories. And we're doing this old time radio show. <laughs> I just feel, I just, <laughs> what can I hold up? What can I get in this room to hold up? So I have something. Russell, put Russell on your He's shoulder. not even home. You know, everybody She's is so, we have so many people in this country having problems that he's working, oh, he's never worked as hard in his life. But anyway, um, we decided that an old time radio show would just be fun and a delight and we can have people relax and feel at ease in a very difficult time. It's hard. We know that it's hard even for us, believe it or not. And um, we are going to focus a little bit on tonight, but of course we always... <laughs> <laughs> yes? the best medicine I've had in a... <laughs> anyway, we're, we're, we're going to focus on some of the funny stories and happenings that come along with our parents. Okay. Now, you know what? It's sad, but very oftentimes after people pass, people forget about them. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> well, this is kind of a serious subject, right? So, okay. I have uh, had wonderful parents, and I know Debbie has had too. And um, we're going to share some of their stories that either came down verbally, and also uh, in my mother's case, she actually wrote a book that I helped her publish. It was self-published and she did very, very well at it. She started, started it when she was about 82 and finished when she was about 84. 
And boy, was she a good salesman, saleswoman. She didn't see anybody she recognized without saying something like, you'll be buying my book, right? You know? And even when she would go to her doctors before she um, would leave, she'd say, by the way, I have a copy of my book with me and I know you'll be supporting me and buying it. So she, it was really fun to watch her in action. It looks so like she, Barbara, she was inspired with the cover by Maxfield Parrish. Yes, it yes. Like Maxfield Parrish. It is, but we did change it in seven small ways because we were afraid of being sued. Right. Apparently, if you make seven changes, and I don't know, this is so, Maxfield Parish may be already over 100 years. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe close. But anyway, uh, I was looking at the stories, and um, one of them that struck me as, uh, this is very short because I'm not actually reading her story. I'm going to just try to tell you what uh, I read it a little while ago. So in this story that she wrote, um, she was almost a teenager. She was 12-ish, maybe 13. And um, she had not really thought much about growing up as far as, um, <sighs> that's my husband coming by. Hello. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um she hadn't really been told much about the birds and the bees and she overheard her mother saying that there was a young teenager pregnant in brookline where they lived and she became my mother became frantic uh, and she also because she had kissed a boy at a party where there was um, spin the bottle. And, you know, she thought that maybe kissing was the way you got pregnant since she really didn't know anything else. So she- Isn't, it? Isn't that how it happens? I thought it did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> We'll discuss that later. And uh, anyway, she kept this secret, but she was totally, totally frantic for weeks. And she insisted that her mother take her to the doctor uh, when the doctor had office hours. And of course, her mother, my grandmother, kept trying to find out what's wrong, Bernice. What are you sick with? What's happening? You know, no one went to the doctor just for no reason. But she pursued and she went to the doctor who was um, a very kind, considerate older man. I'm, I'm sure he got a kick out of it, but he took her into his office and they had a very formal talk and he explained that it would be absolutely impossible to get pregnant from a kiss. And my mother left the office totally at ease and free again, free at last. So that's know. my first story. Good to know. Very excellent. Yes. Okay. Um, let me tell one of my parents' stories. I have four here, and I'm going to try to do them in order of kind of funness, and maybe we'll, we'll get lower as they go along. <laughs> <laughs> my parents were 
part of that madcap Jet Set New York 60s set. And everybody had cocktails and just part of everything. If you watch any old movies, you see they're smoking and drinking constantly in the old 1940s and 50s movies. So <clears throat> I'm from, I've said it before, I'm from Allenhurst, which is a very small town. It's only four blocks. And every kind of life revolves around the beach club. The summer is the beach club. People live for that. And it used to be a great, great thing that we had so many entertaining things where people would get involved. And one of them was the Allenhurst antics. And everybody would get a skit or a play or a song and they would do this like talent show. And it was a riot, you know, because it was, you could really laugh and everything. But as the evening went on, even though they were a very sophisticated bunch, after imbibing all night, it got a little bit wild and everything a little fuzzy. So <laughs> back in the day, I was working at the racetrack and I had to get up very early for work to go to, as you know, and if you've ever known about Monmouth Park, they gallop the horses in the morning. And I went outside and my father was in the front yard sleeping under the Japanese maple. <laughs> and I went to get in my car and it was all smashed in. And then I looked at their car, which was in the driveway, and it was all smashed in. My parents had come home and were so drunk that they smashed and ran into my car, my new car. And back in the day, I mean, it sounds horrible now, like a DWI and dangerous, but back in the day, there weren't that many cars on the road. And if the Allenhurst police, and they'll probably get me for this, but this is the way it was. They would see somebody and they'd say, okay, all right, Mel, just mm -hmm. get, we'll follow you. It's okay. And so that was the next, when I got home from work, I said, dad, my God, you ran into my car. And he goes, no, I didn't. I said, look at my car's blue. Your car is copper colored. You've got blue all over your copper colored car. And I've got copper color on my blue car. And he said, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> but I'll pay for it anyway. He didn't want to admit that he did it. So that's my crazy uh, story. And actually, we lost somebody that we love very much in Alan Hurst this week. I'm going to mention his name, Emmett Farley. And um, we have been reminiscing all week long, everybody in Allenhurst. And that's one of the stories that came up, which was funny and made me remember it. So, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sorry that for the loss of a lovely young man. It's really a tragedy and it's particularly hard when you've lived, I guess your house is right next door to yeah, his actually, mother's. We live next door to his brother. Mm -hmm. A but brother. When I when I was raised, my whole life, I lived next door to his mother, and mm -hmm. then and our parents were friends, and they also had the hardware store together. But then, when they bought a house on, on another street, the mom and her her son lives next door to me now. After the grandmother died, they took the house, so we're very very close, we're very close families. Yeah. And we have yeah. a lot of root and tooth stories about those wild sixties. That's for sure. Really well. Uh, my mother's stories go way back beyond the 60s, of course, but another cute story that she uh, really wrote in hilarious detail, but I think it's probably better with this type of show to try to just tell it, 
my mother, like myself, was always, um, you know, could have lost a few pounds. And um, she was going to try once again. And so she went to a place like, um, like all the, well, yeah, sort of like today's places, uh, not as glamorous as they became over the years and not as gigantic and busy, but basically a type of uh, beauty gym of some sort. And she sat with a woman who went over all the price ranges and you could come there three times a week and it would be this price and two times and you get weighed every time. And there were all sorts of perks with the machines and the, um, uh, not a sauna, I, um, the other one with the, um, steam room? the steam room. Right. And so she took the lowest price and she started to go and she mentioned that she got weighed every time and every time she was measured, it always seemed like the woman just pulled the tape measure in a little tighter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she lost uh, three and a half pounds and six inches. And when she would leave, sometimes she would go to the bakery next door and devour a brownie or two, but she was pretty good. Anyway, one day she and several other ladies went into the steam room after their workout and after they were weighed and whatever. And, uh, you know, they had these very tiny towels that barely were adequate and they chatted and sat around and then they were ready to get out. And they proceeded to try to open the door and it was locked. Oh my goodness. And they couldn't get out. And they're screaming and carrying, you know, very frightened. And uh, I guess um, one of the women who ran the place came up and screamed to them, don't worry, don't worry. We have people on the way to let you out. And um, finally, two men came, which was not pleasing in and of itself. <laughs> and they worked on the door. And of course, the door opened and they got out. And one of the men said, hi, Mrs. Becker. That oh, was... no. <laughs> and she was just covering her private <laughs> Right. And she realized that he was uh, a fellow that had worked on their lawn the year before. Oh, she was so embarrassed. Mortified. And so the only way to even survive this was the box of brownies that she bought as she <laughs> left the left so well that's like everybody that goes to Weight Watchers when we went to Weight Watchers a long time ago you'd go out and have a pizza right after yeah, right. just go wherever you went because you just got weighed in and you had a whole week to recoup you know exactly and everyone went to the bathroom I remember standing in line and there'd be 20 people ahead of me I probably go to the bathroom twice I figured well maybe a few ounces came <laughs> off you know <laughs> Starve yourself. Then. Yes. Remember uh, a thing in the past. Remember Vic Tanny? Yeah. Vic Tanny? Yeah. Where you'd go on a thing and the belt would go around you. Yeah. Kind of a really good idea, you know? I think a lot of those things from the past were really good ideas in a way, but they don't have them, you know? I wouldn't mind just. No, it. it's actually very good to, to use uh, something that vibrates you in a right. giant kind of way. Absolutely. And uh, it's supposed to be very good to to get energy going in your body. Yeah. So, 
There you go. Yeah. All right, so I guess it's time for me to tell another one. Well, my parents were, um, they got along great. And my father had a very dry sense of humor like Jack Benny. And he was, he loved my mother to pieces, but my mother would get wild and she'd, you know, she'd get all dramatic and emotional. And my father would be very, you know, even, and just say something like kind of making fun of the situation, which would get her even madder. And I realized now my husband did that too. So I guess I was looking for part of my dad and my husband, mm -hmm. but it was, it was summertime. And my mother was getting ready. We had, at that time, we had a pretty good sized family and she was doing all the cooking and she loved to cook, but she got a little bit flustered when it was a big crowd. So my father was supposed to be helping and doing stuff and he was just sitting and reading his paper in the living room. And my mother was yelling from the kitchen, Mel, blah, 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 Mel. And he'd go, okay, or whatever he did. And she got exasperated and she was mixing macaroni salad in a big giant like stainless steel thing to you know like for an army and she got so upset with them she came in and dumped it over his head and <laughs> cool as a cucumber just kept reading the paper and didn't even make a move you know and my mother just she just had to laugh she had to laugh because you know, they had this wonderful love affair and it was just, I don't know, it was just really funny. And we talked about that, mom and I, and later on, and she's like, why did I ever do that to your father? That was crazy because I had to make it again and the floor had it on there and the chair. But I remember that. That was a funny thing. Well, my mother was absolutely hilarious and my father was the exact opposite. He could tell a good joke very, very well, but he was like the old fashioned, kind, diplomatic type of person, very, very concerned to not speak if he didn't know what he was gonna talk about, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I'm gonna tell one of the stories that I don't always tell because, um, it was kind of painful at the time, not because of my dad, but the episode. When I, I actually got into Harvard School of Education after college, which was hard to get into. That was great. And um, I guess I was, you know, in love with the aura of going to that prestigious school. So I moved up to Cambridge and lived in one of the uh, dorms for women and uh, went to the summer program in education. And um, I thought that I was doing pretty well. We had to work with children. I always have been good working with children. And uh, it was sort of boring. I mean, you just were doing school planning at night and going to the school and taking, uh, having lectures. I was okay with it. I wasn't in love with it. And, um, one day when we were at the school where we were student teaching, I was asked to come in and there was some sort of head person, I don't know who he was from Harvard, it was sitting up there. And he said, I'm sorry, Miss Becker, but you're going to have to leave. And um, we've uh, taken, uh, we've been watching you and other people and some of you just don't have the teaching skills and 
the ability to um, be in charge of a class that is necessary to finish the summer program. Now you can come back in the fall, but you cannot finish this program. And I was so in shock that all I could think of was my good sweater that was in the classroom. And so I said, you know, I said, can I get my sweater? And he said, no. Oh my God. You, know, you will have to leave now. And uh, there were four of us, I think, four or five out of like 40. And somehow we didn't even have cars. So the person who drove us, he was staying. So we took a taxi back to Harvin. Of course, I called my mother crying hysterically. And my father, who was superintendent of schools in Norwalk, he couldn't come up to get me because the summer is the time you hire all the teachers to make enough teachers for the fall. It's extremely busy. So my mother, who was a school teacher but had time in the summer, came and got me. And um, not only was she a school teacher, she had a baby, little baby, but we had a housekeeper. So she came and got me. I came home and I remember crying in the kitchen. We had the old Formica table, you know, as our kitchen like table. And I'm crying and crying. And my father is very sympathetic, but he's you know, not saying much. And when I finished, he said, all right, you're going to get back on your feet and you're going to go to a number of other schools and have interviews. And if you want to go back to Harvard, you can go back to Harvard. But if something else appeals to you more, you can go, go there. We don't care, whatever works. And he said, I've called a couple of my friends who are in education I made a contact for you at Northeastern and at um, Temple in Philadelphia and uh, I think Boston College in Boston. You're gonna get on the train tomorrow and go to Philadelphia. And I did. When my father said what you're going to do, you did it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I went to Philadelphia, I went back to Boston to uh, uh, Nor Northeastern also went to all these places and Boston University I fell in love with. So that's where I went and I got my doctorate there. And it was, you know, these things are painful. You know, they take something out of you and then you have to overcome what's happened. Right. Anyway, you, you, you know that I've made a path for myself in, in education and psychology and now this wonderful world of filmmaking and radio and Anyway, when my father was, I don't know, he uh, died when he was 86, maybe he was 75, something like that. We were talking and he said, you know, I never told you that I called the dean of the school at Harvard University and I had a chat with him. Wow. And the dean said to me, you better advise your daughter not to become a teacher. And... I chose to never tell you that because I knew you could make it. Wow. How smart he was. Yeah. Very powerful. Really, really. And not emotional, which you didn't need. You needed right. something that was steely and resilient and just put you on a path. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't go like, oh my God, you know, ah, <laughs> you know, like I would have done. You know, that's the kind of way I react. 
Um, all right, I got a funny, kind of a funny one about my dad. He always was doing stuff. Um, my father was prone to wild hyperbole, um, which was funny. Um, he didn't lie, but he just made everything colorful. He was a P.T. Barnum, you know, Ripley's Believe It or Not type of guy. He told us that the signs were blue in New York because of the altitude. <laughs> Cows had shorter legs on one side for the hills. <laughs> he saw the sign Falling Rock, you know, like on the highway. It was an Indian. He was going to shoot arrows. Oh, he was funny. I went up in like Irvington. There's this thing. I don't know what it is, but it's by the side of the parkway. And he told us that people were hanged there. And it's like something that fills water up or something for the train. And then also by the old um, uh, food circus, there was a water treatment plant. And he told us there were polar bears in there. And we'd be looking all the time, like crazy <laughs> stuff. But one thing he did that was very funny. I had all these horses, as anybody listened to the show. And I had one horse called Burnt Sienna. I named him after the crayon in my Crayola box. And I got him off the racetrack. He was a trotter. And if anybody has seen trotting races, those horses, they just walk, trot, trot really fast, and then it's a full gallop. They never know how to just canter or lope. Mm -hmm. But this horse loved to jump. And even sometimes when he was alone in the field, if there was a little jump that we had set up to practice, he would run and play with the other horses and he would jump it. So my father had played polo and everything when he was in college. He was one of those, um, you know, fancy pants uh, college guys with a wealthy family. And he was a pretty good rider. But when he got older, he didn't ride that much. And he got on burnt sienna and there were these little cross rails like this, that cross, and they can't be off the ground for more than a foot. So he was riding and the horse is trotting like crazy and it's not cantering and he's like trying to ride it and it's all like rigidity. And he, he goes over, he goes over the jump. He didn't even want to, the horse just did, did the jump and he fell off and he got his foot caught in the stirrup and the horse stopped. But that was it, <gasps> right? But when he told the story over the years, the jump was like three foot high, then it was four <laughs> foot high, then it was five foot high, and then the horse dragged him mm -hmm. 50 feet, then the horse <clears> dragged <throat> him horn, and we would just die laughing because we never said anything because he just told the greatest story. But it was so exaggerated, and he even knew it, that it was like, you know, every time something would happen and he would trip, he goes, my leg hurts. It was burnt sienna. And it was just such a little thing, but he, it was, it was very funny. He, re he really was like a P.T. Barnum. Yeah, he what really fun was. to have a dad like that. Dad. Oh my God. So I think I'll finish my stories with another one about my dad. Um, maybe I'm just feeling melancholy during the uh, pandemic, you know, but um this one, we ever never spent uh, time alone together because we were a family. And then my mother had a baby at 17. So, you know, we were always a family. That was it. Right. But uh, there was one time when my father was going to go to um, Massachusetts to one of the colleges for some sort of seminar for educators. 
And I was 17 waiting to go to Smith where I went my first year. And he invited me to go with him. And my mother said, just go, you know, I'm hanging around with a baby and I don't want to go. You keep daddy comfortable. Um, and uh, so we'll have fun. And my father, so we went and um, he drove, but well, later you'll see, I took the train back. So I had my own room and he had his own room and we ate with lots of all these bright educators and stuff. And the, um, the um, conventions were on for the parties for the election. And I always was like this, you know, I was just out there would had all these beliefs that people could be honest and true and blah, 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 you know, yeah. And, yeah. and there were discussions and some other people had brought their kids too. And they would ask, do you have anything to add? And I stood up and I said, I don't understand these conventions, why people aren't just more sincere and dedicated and do what's best for the world and blah, 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 you know, and yeah. <laughs> okay. So after three or four days, I was coming home and I guess he was staying another two days. So um, I packed up, but since I had been in a dorm that was for men in the fall and I was going off to Smith, I left a note on my bed that said, I will, um, hi, I'm Barbara Becker and I'll be at Smith in the fall living in X dormitory, Baldwin house. Maybe I'll see you. God, it was like <laughs> a steal. <laughs> you know, how desperate can you be? You know? Know. <laughs> so, um, and my father and I, uh, he took me to the train and I went home and he would stay. And um, I remember on the train, that melancholy feeling when you know you've done something sweet that you can never do again. It's a one-timer. So I got home and the years passed. They really passed. And then one day when I was going through my father's file cabinet, when he was no, he was failing and he was no longer able to really even sort the papers and he gave me permission to look through some of the stuff. And what did I find? I found the note to the boy oh, in Barbara's wow. folder. He had a folder oh, for me. So he had gone into that room to check it. I see. And oh, took that, wow. but he never told me, he never embarrassed me. He was, I feel like I know your father <laughs> yeah. after listening to these stories. I love these stories. I know. He was really, yeah. do you find that your father or your mother, who are you more alike, do you think? My humor is my mother's. And I think some degree, a, a sense of dignity and trying to be in, the, well, she was in the best interest of people. She wasn't bad at all, but I think my father gave me the courage to, to reach for the stars kind of thing. and handle, you know, handle it appropriately, at least most of the time, you right. know. Wow. You had yeah. great credentials with all the, the names you went to, and here I am, Monmouth University. I, I mean, please, you know. I well, know. I stumbled, look, I told you I had a lot of learning disabilities, all tied into basically spelling and, and reading, and um, I wasn't a star. I I made my way through at high levels, but by working like crazy, 
and getting tutors when I needed them. And I think it just depends. I mean, if I weren't that type of introspective intellect, I would have gone to the University of Bridgeport and been happy, you know, but it was my type, the type of person I am, right, exactly. you know, but um, as we close for tonight, um, not immediately, but um, I just want to say that I hope these stories, when you hear them, that you, our audience, will go home and do some of the storytelling because it's really, it really helps in good times and bad times to share stories, to laugh. Your Look how I laughed in the beginning. I mean, that must have just cleansed all my internal organs. You know, um, it's wonderful. And those of you that have living parents, uh, you know, you can use your cell phones and do and have them talk and you'll have it forever. And if there are people have passed, you can still reminisce around the table or even just sitting in the in, in a room and in a restaurant anywhere. So that's something if it can work for you, I think we want it to work for you. And meanwhile, we're having such fun. I know. <laughs> it is it is fun. It's a good thing. Did you have one more story or no? Uh, no, okay. I, I'm looking here. Um, no, I mean I have other things, but that's okay. They're not like yeah. they're not like crazy, crazy yeah. dramatic or funny. So you know, no, I think we're good. I yeah, think I think we're good. And please remember, you can write to either of us. Give us a theme or send even a little story and tell us whether we're free to augment it or share it. This is a this is a place for all of us mm -hmm. to feel good and come back to a sweeter easier time so that we can function really really and everybody uh, cherish your parents um it, in this fast-paced world i think there are not as many times as you know we shared because things were slower and uh, people weren't as separated as they are um and with all this technology with young people, I think that a lot of times they don't pay that much attention or listen or communicate or they get, uh, you know, answer back or whatever. Uh, it's really, really important. And it's, it's important to the parents too. When I was going through everything in the house, uh, it's been very emotional for me going through my big family house that we lived in for 70 years. I look at the things and I just say, God, oh, they were so marvelous that they were humble, they weren't conceited, and they were talented. And if I could be one millionth of what they were, it, it, it's incredible. And I found so many letters and cards that my parents wrote, you know, I wrote to them and they wrote to me and they saved. Um, I even found stuff from, from high school. And it was funny. I drew a picture for my father and it was just this crappy thing I did in grammar school and I had an estate sale and the woman that ran the estate sale had it up on the wall for $12. Like it was an <laughs> art piece. And it was this thing I did in like art class with my fingers and paint. But, but those are all things that bring back such memories. And boy, for anybody that once you get into your 60s, or you reflect like with COVID, it's so important to stop and 
smell the roses and make these memories with mm -hmm. your family. Holy cow. Because you never know when it'll be the last time you see them. Yeah. And I don't want to end on a, on a you know, a maudlin uh, thing, but it's true. And your friends, you got to appreciate everybody. Tell them you love them all the time. And you're wonderful at that. You, you know, really are, Debbie. After, after two, two emails, I love everyone. I always say love because you do, you know? Yes. You yes. Try to. That is true. And I love I love you and you love me and that's that's great. It's just such it's wonderful and we all and we each have dear friends and I lost two last summer so I really really feel the pinch when yeah. somebody's gone. So, but anyway, um, on the world the whirlwind of life that we're all living, where we're never quite sure what the truth will be with the vaccine or this and that. Just stay safe and um, be kind and gentle to the people in your lives. And we'll see you next time. Okay, good night, everybody. Bye-bye. And thanks Bye. for sharing with us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Okay, and we'll post it on Facebook so you know when it is. Okay, have a good night. Bye-bye. Enjoy fall.